Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. We're jumping into the second part of the Nathan Initiative here message, and we're going to build on what we talked about last week. If you remember, one of the things we said about this sermon, this series in a sentence is that everything is given to share and multiply as grace for all peoples. So that's what we're doing. Everything was last week, givens this week, next week is share, next week, the week after is multiply, and then grace. But they all go together. It's, it's, you can't just separate one. They all kind of swirl together. And if you want one of my classic uh, statements, it's like an upward helix of intermingled growth together, something like that. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So last week, one of the things we talked about was that God has given everything. In the parable of the prodigal son, or we called it the parable of the generous father last week, that the father comes to the older son and he says, look, son, everything I have is yours. And that's not just kind of a little one-off that the father's given to the older son. It's something that's deep in the heart of God. He's saying, I'm giving what I have. I'm giving my very self to you. And it's it's uh, that word Nathan that I got all those years ago. I was in a in a hotel room praying and fasting with my one of my mentors in 1996. And and this was one of the things the Lord spoke to me back in, in that time. And, and Nathan is a, a Hebrew word that means to give or given. And you can trace the story of God all through the Old Testament by looking at that word, Nathan. And it's just been a fascinating revelation to me over all these years that I'm given to God and given for others. And that truth is just, it's, it's still, it's just profound to me. There's this incredible connection between how God loves us, how He has given everything to us, and His generosity. You can't really separate love and generosity. God has defined His love, but He says, you know, this is love, not that you loved first, we didn't love first, but God loved us first and sent His one and only Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's a beautiful thing. And so today we're going further in talking about given. Uh, so everything, God's given us everything, but what does it look like for us to be a given people? And we're going to look a little more at Jesus, His life, the discipleship life of walking with Jesus, the way He's called, the way He lived a given life, and the way we're called to live a given life as well. And this, uh, we can put this sentence up. It's We're called to follow Jesus into a life of generosity that's first given to God, and given for others. If you think about it, that's really just another way of saying the great commandment and the great commission. You know, that we're called to love God with all that we are. He's loved us. We're called to love Him. And we're called to release that love through us to other people, given to God and given for others. That's what's going on here. And it's ultimately about the nations even, that this would be happening all over planet Earth. That's where God's going with this. Our Nathan phrase then is, given to God, and given for others. Now, this is hard in our culture for a lot of reasons. 
You know, there's a lot of re- the, the fall is one of the main things. We live materialism is a big deal in our culture. And the fall kind of turns us in on ourselves. It's like that's what sin does. It turns us in. It makes us selfish. And so it makes it really hard to be generous and to be a giving people when we are living in the midst of the fall. And we take on things like a scarcity mentality. Like there's only so much in life. And even though God is a generous host of an incredible worldwide party, Instead of just sharing all of that, we want to grab some, take it over to the side room, and kind of hoard it. So God's wanting to release that revelation in us, that generosity in and through us. It's for everyone. This this word is for everyone. Don't just think it's for somebody else, the little bitty baby Christians. Or it's if you've been walking with the Lord and you're just on fire, you're the most fire-breathing zealot that's ever lived, it's for you. And if you're just new in the Lord, man, it's for you. This word is for all of us. Such a good, just it's good to think about it like that. I was at uh, having lunch with some pastors the other day over at another church, and I was looking through their new kids area, new kids space that they had uh, just done some work on, and it had these uh, when to talk about things with your kids because they had this on the sign up. It said, uh, "You have your kids for three thousand hours in a year, and we have them for forty hours." It had 3,000 dots and 40 dots. And the point they were trying to make is, hey, disciple your kids. Somebody say amen on that. The sermon's not even about that, but I was like, wow, that's really cool. And so it had the main times, morning time, driving time, um, meal time, and evening time. And just kind of, I was like, man, what a simple way of just thinking about, I'm not the rocket science teacher, but I can, as we go along the road, with my kids, talk about the things of God. Just that's the way we that's the way we walk out discipleship. And I I'll just be I almost said I'll just be honest. I just want to assure you that throughout this entire message, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and be honest. <laughs> that is a verbal tick that I need to not have on. Uh, so instead, I'll just uh um. We have to learn it, and we have to continue to learn it. Everybody's got a story. There's a, in following the Lord, there's a story of when you start learning about giving and being generous. I remember Kim and I, uh, is Kim and she's back there with the twins. Uh, she, she was not raised in church, and so uh, in college we didn't go at all, and I was raised in church, but it was just kind of religious, and I didn't really meet the Lord until the end of college. And uh, so when we really got turned on to Jesus and wanted to follow him with all of our hearts, one of the things that happened was I was being discipled by a guy and we started talking about giving. And for me, there was always a connection. I just when of really growing in God and giving. And so I, I came home and I talked with her. Of course, I'd heard about it, but I'd never done it. So I went home and I talked with her and we were both students at the time and uh Working at Chili's. I don't know if Chili's is cool. Back then, it was a cool place to work. <laughs> yeah, back in the back in the eighties, and uh, we were making two hundred fifty dollars between the two of us. And so, it's not complicated math to come up with a tithe on two fifty. That's going to be twenty five dollars. And so, I went home and I said, "Hey, I think we're supposed to start tithing." And she'd never done that, and I hadn't really done it. And I think it's going to be something God's going to you know encourage us with and. And she goes, Jamie, do you realize $25 is how much we spend on groceries in a week? And I think that's part of the revelation of giving is, is like 
when you get a number, God puts a number in your heart and you go, you know, I could do X with this. We could go to wherever with this. Or we could, you know, when you start having that revelation, it's like, okay, so I'm starting, I'm getting into a sacrifice kind of place. And that's what the Lord, Lord wants our here, our hearts. It's not a number. It's this. He wants our hearts in the whole process. And that was part of our journey. And, and it's hard to overestimate the basic building blocks of giving as it relates to growth in God. Because, I mean, we are just dragging our heart along behind us until we learn this. Our heart really does go where our finances go. You know, it, it's, it's right there. And so it's a big deal. These things all go together. Every message interconnected here. And we want to clearly point this morning to Jesus. And that's not a surprise. If you've been around here, you know that's what I'm going to do. I, years ago, I read a quote from Charles Spurgeon, or he literally, on the pulpit at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, he's this preacher that lived in the 1800s, he said, Sir, we would see Christ. And that was written on the, on the pulpit on the inside. Nobody else could see it. But I just thought, man, this was like 30 years ago. I thought, that's what I want to do. Like every Sunday, I want to just, I want to proclaim Jesus Christ. No matter what the point is, Jesus is what we need. So all the deep problems that you're going through or all the obstacles that we face, what's the one thing you need in your life more than anything else? Come on, tricky theological question here. Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? So Jesus really is the answer. Jesus is the key to understanding God. And what we talked about last week is that, that, that this generosity is rooted in the heart of who God is, in His very person, deep down inside of God. It, it is very who He is in His inner being. And so it's rooted in the story of God. All of this is like such solid, not shaky limb theology for us to be looking at Jesus. And what you see when you see Jesus is that God gives Himself to us. The Father loves us so much that He gives the Son. And Jesus says, yes, I'll do it. And then Jesus lives this life of interconnected dependence upon the Father the whole entire, His whole entire life. That's what He does. That's the way He lives. Interconnected. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And He has this revelation. Like John 3.16 says, For God so loved that He gave. Look at the end of John 3 in verse 35. says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. So remember what Jesus he has the father saying to the older brother, everything I have is yours. Jesus actually gets it. He understands that everything that he has is from the father and that the father's placed everything in his hands. It's just this bam, incredible revelation. So the life, the incarnation, the life, and, and just the incarnation itself is just, I, I didn't grow up thinking about Christmas every year, but for these last 15 years where we really kind of do the church calendar a little more, just the revelation of the incarnation. For though he was rich, 2 Corinthians 8, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's, it's like God does. That's who God is. It's absolutely incredible. That's the way he's living. That's what the cross is all about. He empties himself for us and becomes obedient even to the point of death on a cross. That's who, that's who God is for us in Jesus Christ. It's just powerful. And, and once you start seeing that, it's like it's everywhere. That's all through the Gospels. John 10, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. 
you know, God's given me life, but I lay down my life for the sheep. John 13, verse 3, he's about to wash his disciples' feet. And it says that uh, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. Now, that's that's powerful. What he's letting us in on there is the inner workings of God. Jesus is giving us a revelation like he is God revealing himself to us. There's no bigger. You don't have a bigger, better revelation of God than Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's the truth. You, like God is not unchristlike. The Father is not unchristlike. He looks exactly like Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God and the radiance of His glory. And to see Him is to see the Father. Just truth. It's what it is. And so He's revealing something that God wants us to get about the way He really is. That self-giving, the Father to the Son. The Son to the Father, that deferring, that bowing, and yes, yes, and the Holy Spirit communion, bringing us into that fellowship of mutual giving and other-centered preferring. That's what God's wanting to do in us. That's this, this initiative of giving is all about becoming more into, being formed into the image of God. That's what's going on here. Really powerful. So Jesus goes to the cross. He's raised on the third day by the power of God. And he gives the disciples a challenge in Matthew chapter 28. He says, all authority has been in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, use that authority. Go out, make disciples, immerse them into this reality that I've been talking about, that I've been modeling for you. Immerse them into the reality of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. Woo! Wow. Here's the main thing. Just put this in a soundbite, one sentence. God's calling us to a lifestyle of devotion and discipleship to Jesus that is given to God and given for others. Devotion to God, discipleship to Jesus, given to God and given on the sake and for the, uh, on the behalf of others. And so just a great way to see this discipleship thing is to turn to, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. And this is just the base, a basic plan for discipleship. Jesus has these followers, and now he's going to send them out to do some stuff. He's going to tell them what to do and send them out to do some stuff. Let's read it together. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Tom, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or in, enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So that's just, that's pretty awesome. And so the way I want to just unpack that just briefly here is to ask a few questions. Who is Jesus? Well, that's right there at the start. He's the one with the authority. He is the one who reveals God. He is God in the flesh. He is the son of the eternal Father, the eternal Son of the eternal Father in the fullness of their shared love and anointing in the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. 
and he has all authority, and now he's discipling his, his, his students, his disciples, to go out and use that authority. So go out, heal the sick, you know, cure those who have sickness. And so that's who, who is Jesus. Second question, who are we? Who are we? Which is just a, just a great question. And I love the fact that he lists the disciples there because it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to read about Peter who, if anybody's ever felt like they denied the Lord, you know, um, just once or twice in your life. I think we had seven or eight people in first service. I'm just curious. Uh, several here as well. And um, so, But isn't that encouraging though? That Jesus receives us back and says, hey, jump back in. Love my people. Just jump back in. Come on. You know, so Peter... Now, James and John, they're encouraging too. The sons of Zebedee. Lord, should we just call down fire on them from heaven? These people that didn't believe in you? Should we just like let heaven open up and a fire that obliterates them from the face of the earth? Like if anybody's ever had a violent thought or an angry thought, or I just wish they'd be obliterated from the face of the earth thought. I mean, that's encouraging, right? Jesus calls us to so much more, but there they are, right? Uh, let's see, Thomas. His nickname was Doubting Thomas, right? We can. This is just so isn't it encouraging when you just hear about other people's struggles. <laughs> it's encouraging to me. Matthew, the tax collector, not real well liked guys because they kind of pilfered money on the side and all that. That's and of course you keep working on down the list. Simon the Zealot. Politically motivated, usually violent in interpretation of their political and religious philosophy. And of course, Judas Iscariot. And there's like, there's some encouraging. It's not to depress us. It's to encourage us that they're humble, normal, everyday kind of folks like you guys and me. Just normal. Just, uh, I grew up with a preacher. They would always, he, he, there was a, there's a group of people that always sat in the same, part of the church, and he called them the Motley Crew. I don't know why I'm remembering this right now. <laughs> Not, <laughs> he called them the Motley Crew. It was for, you know, it was for that. And, and, uh, but that's, that's kind of who we are. Not like the band. But, but just, we're just normal people. Just a Motley Crew, right? I don't know if that works. I may not use it in third service. <laughs> um, but we're, you know what happens, though? We're changed by the encounter with Jesus. That, that, that's, that's the changing thing. That's what changed them. That's what changes us. The encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. So where do we go? That's the next question. Where do we go? You know, so he tells them, hey, don't, right now, you're not going to the Gentiles. You're not going to the Samaritans, just to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, ultimately, he goes on and he says, you're going from here to Samaria, to Judea, to the nations, to the, the very ends of the earth. But right now, this is where I want you to go. And God has given us all a sphere a place of influence, a circle where we have people in our lives and in our relationships where we can have some influence. And he's called us into those places. Go into Fort Worth. Go into your jobs. Go into the school. Go into the schools. Go into the universities. And make a difference. Use the influence that you've been given and preach this message. This is what we do. Preach the message. And the message is the kingdom of heaven is near. And it's it's nearer now than it was then. It's not less near now. It's, it's, it's an expanding kingdom. And of the increase of His government, 
There's going to be no end. So that this kingdom that drew near in Jesus continues to draw near. That age that broke in, the coming age, we are still living in this in-between time where we can with authority proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. We proclaim that message. And he says, this is what you do. You say that the kingdom of heaven is near and then make things right. Make wrong things right. Heal the sick. What does that mean? Well, I mean, it means praying for sick people. But it also means what happens when people are sick. Well, they need comfort. I, anybody ever been sick? And you, I don't know about you. I, get, I got the, the blanket. I'm kind of walking around through the house. I don't feel when you're sick. You don't feel good. People need comfort that are sick. Pray for comfort. Pray for healing. Pray for just wholeness. God wants us to do that. That's a, that's a part of this message. Heal the sick. Uh, raise the dead. Now, we've got a couple of stories of, of people being raised from the dead. But in addition to just dead people getting up, there's dead situations all around us where we need to proclaim life and hope and deliver freedom in, in the name of Jesus. And God is doing that in and through us. So uh, cleanse those who have leprosy. Now, leprosy is not a big deal in the United States, but what would happen is somebody when somebody's defiled, they would be kind of outcast from the community and they're over here by themselves. And we want to, that, that defiling, separating thing, we want to proclaim cleansing and healing and deliver freedom in the name of Jesus. And right along with that, Drive out demons wherever the end of the work of the enemy is in our own lives, in the lives of others in the church, in the lives of our city. We want to proclaim the victory of Jesus Christ that is won through the cross. He triumphed over the enemy by the cross and just made a public spectacle of him. And so now we can proclaim the kingdom and express that victory everywhere we go, driving out the work of the enemy as we come upon it in the name of of Jesus. And so then the last question is, how do we do it? How do we do this? And when he says, freely you've received, freely give. That's how you do it. I mean, I can't do it. Kyle can't do it. You know, on around this room, you know, we can't do it, but there's one who can. And he's come to live in us by his power. So this is how we do this. Freely we've received, freely give. It's the power of discipleship. And I'll take it a step further. It's the atmosphere of discipleship. This is, this is the air we breathe. It's not because we're doing it. It's because Jesus has done it. And so He's given us, like the Father says, everything I have is yours. When we come stepping into that, inching into that, that revelation, it's like there's always there's enough. It's not scarcity. It's abundance in God. That's what, that's what He's calling us into, I mean, you could go through the Gospels and see this atmosphere everywhere, but turn to Luke 6. I want to give you just another example from Luke about this. It's a similar kind of section of the Gospel of Luke as compared to Matthew. He's kind of finishing up his little version of the Sermon on the Mount, which is called the Sermon on the Plain. And in verse 27 of Luke 6, he, he says stuff that's it's just impossible with us but it's possible with God. Love your enemies. I mean, do good to those who persecute you. Who can do that apart from a nonstop, never-ending Niagara of love flowing into us that we can give to other people? We, we can't do it. I, I can't do it. I get tired. My emotional tanks get empty. And I feel like I just need to go and lay down. You know, flannel graph. I'm laying down. 
And that's funny for a couple of people that know it. Flannel graph, who knows what that is? About 10%. Um, interesting. Uh, that was that was cutting-edge technology when I was a kid in the 70s. Just, and Jesus died and went into the tomb. The teacher would turn it like that. Help me, I need you up here on the front row. I'm like, <laughs> go on. Kidding. Love those. Uh, do good to those who bless. I mean, all of these things. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. I mean, ultimately here, be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Down to verse 37. Do not judge, you won't be judged. Do not condemn, you'll not be condemned. Forgive and it will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I want to just just hit this thing just for a second here. The measure you use, it'll be measured to you. It's not a contract. It's not like God saying, and if you give enough, and if you forgive enough, then I'm going to forgive you, and then I'm going to give to you. No, it's our revelation of what God's given to us. This is absolutely huge. Everything I have is yours. I'm giving you my son. I'm giving you all that I am. And as you jump into this piece of generosity, what's going to happen in your life is not me giving you more. It's you opening up to the revelation of who I am in your life. Just come on, Lord, do it. Do it in us. And in that atmosphere, it's cheerful. It's joyful. And it's not just because we're not just letting things go and I'm going to put on a happy face. Actually, God changes me on the inside. He changes my heart that where my desires, as we sacrificially give, it's like I get in on the way God sacrificially gives. I get in on like the definition of his, of who he is. It's love. And it's defined in other centered giving. This is love. Not that we love, but that God loved us and gave. His one and only Son, which develops in us a what we're talking about, a new lifestyle of devotion and discipleship to Jesus Christ that we're, we're given to God and given for others. Our hearts get set free. Now what I want to do this morning uh, is we're going to take a little bit of time here and hear from one of our very own college students, a testimony from one of our juniors at TCU, Megan Kirshner, and listen for her as she talks about discipleship and what motivates her on this journey of giving. Now watch this. My name is Megan Kirshner. I'm a junior at TCU. I've been coming to Antioch since the beginning of my freshman year. I was looking around at different churches. God had really given me a heart to find a church in college and someone told me that church isn't where you know the most people or where you're the most comfortable or what looks like home, but it's where you encounter God. And I didn't know anyone in Antioch except for a girl named Hannah Ebert. Um, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to go to Antioch. And it scared me because I didn't know anyone. Um, but it was such an instance of seek first his kingdom and everything else will follow. I didn't really grow up going to church outside of Christmas and Easter. But Young Life was kind of my lifeline of how I found Jesus and how I grew my relationship with Him. And so that was also something I was seeking after when I came to TCU. But coming to Antioch, I was like, okay, people worship with their hands up. This is a little outside my comfort zone. But everyone around me loved Jesus. And I think that was what spurred me on in my faith. So even though it was outside my comfort zone, 
I knew that I was surrounded by people that I wanted to be like. I wanted to love him the way that the people around me did. God has radically changed my life so much. He has taken me from darkness to light. He has redeemed me. He chased me down in my darkest moments. He didn't have to choose me. He didn't have to select me as the one person that gave their life to Jesus when the gospel was preached at a basketball camp in sixth grade. For some reason it landed in my heart and he chose me. I get to just be a part of what he's doing and I'm so thankful for it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I think at TCU and just in America in general, there's such a culture of busyness and productivity and achievement that is so easily distracting from the church and from living on mission. It's so much easier to say, this is what today's gonna look like. This is what my schedule looks like. This is what my plan is. But to be able to say, God, you have permission to come, change my plan, let your will be done. It's such a powerful prayer to pray. So when I first heard about the Nathan Initiative, I was like, okay, I know you're gonna be asking me to give money. I have a really hard heart towards that. So God, if you wanna move, you're gonna need to soften it. And being a college kid on scholarship, still under my parents' finances, how are you gonna ask me to move here? How do, I, how do I fit into this story? I realized for so long, I subtly believed the lie that God would take things away and that I had to control and hold on to them. And so God began to unveil that in my heart that I lived with this poverty mentality of I have to hold on to the things I can control instead of trusting Him with it. And He began to show me that He's a giver. Though I might not always be in control of my finances, I can control what He's given me and steward what He's given me. And that is my ability to work. Especially babysitting within the church, I can give myself to that. I can serve the people in the church for a monetary value, but then give it back to God. He has given me different talents, art and creativity, and He's starting to teach me how to use that to glorify Him, to spread His word, and then donate. That's a sacrifice. It's not something you're necessarily comfortable with. That's our only proper response, is to respond with a sacrifice, to respond with an offering. Just to encourage you, if you're on the fence about the Nathan Initiative or about giving, ask God. Ask Him for His heart. Ask Him to change your heart. Worship is giving back to God what He gave to us. It just makes sense to give it all back to Him. I am just so excited to see how Antioch continues to grow. I believe that we're just going to multiply. This is a chance for us to prepare a way for Jesus to just take off in our city. We can pray for revival and we can expect great things, but this is physically putting to action, saying, God, I know you're gonna move. I know you're gonna grow our church. And I know that you wanna do great things. Invest my time, invest my money. It is a worthy cause. He has changed me. He has changed everyone in this church. You could talk to anyone about why do you feel like this is a worthy investment? And it all comes back to Jesus saw me and he loved me and he brought me from darkness to light. And this is the only way to respond is just to give back everything to him, to give to God what he gave to us. All right. Amen. Isn't that great? Don't you love hearing testimonies from how just other people have been touched? And what, what I love about that is that Megan is sharing part of her story about how God touched her and then how that started getting worked out in her life, you know? And so like the babysitting thing for a college student or what she didn't really talk so much about, but I know that she's been using Instagram to sell some of her art 
and just help to, you know, just being creative, just being creative about what God's done on the inside to get it worked out on the outside for her. And there's a call in there for all of us. And I just want to, I want to make sure that we make the connection to this, what God's doing on the inside and communing with the Lord. Ultimately, it's not, it's not the specific thing on the outside. It's here that God would touch our hearts and that this would get connected with what he's doing in and through us right now as just in this season that we would make the connect with Nathan and the, the initiative and what God's wanting to do in and through the church here, the headquarters, all that kind of stuff, the vision he's given us, but that it would flow from our own hearts that are being transformed and being changed and being, you know, motivated from the inside out. We, Kim and I have been keeping this on our bathroom counter. We talk about it there. We pray about it. And the Lord's put it on our hearts. Just we want to do something that's a bigger one time thing than we've ever done. And we want to do ongoing giving that's bigger than we've ever done. And we're excited about it. We're getting there's an excitement in our hearts as we talk about a stretching thing for us, a sacrificial thing for us. And it's going to look different for everybody. But I want to encourage you guys, jump in with us on the journey. Jump in with praying through. I mean, the big win for today is be praying about what God's speaking. As we talk about the Word of God and the lifestyle of Jesus and devotion and discipleship and all of that and generosity, pray in your own life. What's that look like for me? Talk to the Lord about it. And I just want to say, there's going to be grace for every single... There's always grace. There's always grace for this to follow Him into the next step. So y'all stand up. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, come on up as well. And I, there's a couple of things. We, we do this at the end of every service if you're visiting or new. And we just take time to respond to the Lord. Like, what's Lord, what are you doing right now in this moment? And it might be, even as I say that word, grace, that might be you. Like, I need to experience Jesus and His grace, an encounter with Him that, that changes my heart. Or it may be like things that Megan said that you specifically identify with. There's, those are hurdles there that the Lord wants to move you through, move you beyond, and take you to the next place in Him. But for all of us, I mean, I'm just let's press in on this thing about the atmosphere of joy, of freely receiving and freely giving that would impact Antioch, our city, and the nation, and the nations. But that takes all of us, though, receiving from the Lord. What's He saying right now to you? Respond to Him. It, you know, if there's anything else you're going through too, don't leave without getting prayer. God moves right now in times like this. Just come get prayer. Pray with somebody that you came with. If you're or somebody close by, hey, would you pray for me? I had three people pray for me for, in the second service. I just I, I needed it. every each one. I'm like, thanks. I needed that prayer. We need it, right? So you guys respond. We love you, Lord. Meet us today. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. Whatever your need is, guys, come.